or we're told in Revelation, but for a, there was a, this brief period where everything in heaven and earth was silent before you. And so we just, in the silence of our own hearts, offer you the praise you deserve. Um, you are everything. You are all in all. And we just want to lift you up this morning. And you're the one that it's all about. We pray in the name of Jesus, uh, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. You may be seated. Even, uh, even the drummer has special sticks today, I noticed. Check those out. <laughs> Actually, I think they've been there a while. They look pretty worn, but uh, I don't know who that, if that was Eric or I'm not sure who that was. I better put these back here or else second service, it's not going to begin well with him if he doesn't have that. Yeah, uh, you know, I, there is a, you got to address the elephant in the room. It is a big game tomorrow, right? Today, tomorrow. Oh <laughs> Wow. Um, Pat and I took a walk yesterday. It was so beautiful out yesterday. And, uh, you know, we, we just noticed that in every, every community, um, oh, hold on a second, that in every community there's uh, got to be a rebel, right? So there they are. That's the one rebel. It was a pretty small flag. I'm like, hey, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to do something a lot bigger than that thing. But... Uh, so then I kind of got interested in the whole Chiefs thing, and I'm like, you know, because there's Chiefs fans, a lot of you, and then there's the, those that just hop on the Chiefs bandwagon, right? So I kind of thought I would research into this a little bit. Uh, this guy isn't on the Chiefs bandwagon. This guy is full in, okay? That's just, <laughs> that's just, <laughs> kind of reminds me of Oakland Raider fans, sort of, um, the kind of guys you see in Oakland, but <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny, isn't it? Uh, but anyway, so I, I found this picture, and I'm like, you know, you're, you're just uh, this, and again, you're looking for people that are, that are just on, you know, that just show up on the bandwagon, and as I was looking at this picture, I noticed in the background, there's this dude that has this, like, giant Patrick Mahomes thing, so I got my CSI skills going, and I thought I was going to zoom in on that thing, and I'm like, who, like, who is that dude, and as I zoomed in, um, <laughs> it came pretty obvious who the who the bandwagon fan is here, so, uh, dude, I, <laughs> anyway, so then I thought, I'm going back to that picture I took earlier, and look at that, in that house, looking out the window at us, <laughs> Jordan, you're just on all the bandwagons, so, uh, okay, the other thing I want to tell you, a few, it was the Chinese New Year a couple weeks ago, and so I texted some of our old Chinese friends, and by the way, Karen, and Alice, thanks for sharing that. That's, that was powerful to hear. And that's what we're all about, right? Restoring all things one, one person, one place at a time. So I appreciated what you guys shared. But it was Chinese New Year, and I texted one of our Chinese students who had become a believer here and is now actually working in a church, a Chinese church in New York City. And so just, uh, I had sent a greeting, and she sent a thing back, and I asked how she's doing, and she said, she's great. How are you? Happy Lunar New Year. And I hadn't told her that I'd become the pastor here, and I thought, well, I should tell her that, you know, because she was like one of our key students. And so I uh, replied with this text. Uh, I don't know if you know, but I've been pestering the church here for one year. So I had to correct that, but uh, 
but if that is your opinion of me, then so be it. Um, it's obviously what I think I'm doing here, so, okay. Um, we're going to jump into a new series, but before we do, uh, um, a couple things. I'm going to come back to that, if you don't mind. A couple things. Jamie, is Jamie in the house? We don't normally do birthdays, but Jamie Cooper, it's her birthday today. She's probably off hiding, but... Um, yeah. Oh, she is hiding, secretly hiding, like Waldo. There she is. But just want to give a shout out. Uh, happy birthday and such a valuable part of our community and our staff. And loving, love having her presence and just the relationality, the love of Jesus that she brings. So wanted to say uh, happy birthday to you. And then a couple other things. The, the bulletin, you've noticed it's different, right? A little thicker than normal. Um, that's just, that thing is actually a one-month experiment that we've been talking about for a while, and we're just going to experiment with this, so just hang in there with this experiment. We'll go back to the old thing um, in March. If you, you know, like or want or need all the additional information that's usually in there, we do have it on a sheet on the back on the information. So if you're wanting the stuff, the other stuff that's normally in there, want to be informed, it's back there so you can grab it on the way out. Also, some people had been requesting some blank sermon note sheets because a lot of times there's no space to write on the sheets. So those are back there. Anytime you come in, if you want to grab one of those. Laura, is Laura here in this service? No, probably next service. But Laura, anytime you come in, you can grab one of those. Um, just want to let you know about that. Okay. Uh, I want to speak briefly to the transitoriness of life um, because this week we had a reminder that our life is just but a, like a vapor, that it comes and goes. The older you get, the faster life goes, that we're not assured of tomorrow. We left the, the press room in the big event we had there last week, got on the radio, and the first thing I heard was that nine lives had been tragically lost, suddenly and unexpectedly, three of them teenagers. And it reminded me of the thing that I faced when my cousin died, which was that you never know when death will come. None of us is guaranteed tomorrow. And the thing I concluded that day is the stakes when it comes to death, the stakes are too high to not know, right? It's too high to die and not know if there is a creator. What's he like? What's he require? Any of that. So I just was reminded of this. James 4.14 tells us you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then you vanish. David in the psalm said, our days are like a fleeting shadow. He said, my days vanish like smoke. And so the scripture tells us, it says, Moses asked, teach me, teach us to number our days so that we can gain wisdom of heart. And David said, let me know how fleeting my life is. Because it's easy to forget that, isn't it? And so, um, yeah, if you're here, and even if you have, this is not meant to be a pressure thing or to manipulate or anything in an event, but it, it, that this is reality, that we don't know when we'll meet our Creator. So if you're here and you haven't even decided yet on what to do with Jesus, you know, 2 Corinthians, Paul says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. That if you're to the point, if you're ready to make that, but there's just little things keeping you from it, maybe it's time to do that, because we just, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And if you want to do that, feel free to talk to me or a friend or anybody on staff here, anybody that you know. So, All right, we are starting a new series. Um, it's going to be for the month of February. Um, 
there is a bulletin insert. This thing is really significant. This is going to be like bedrock for our church, and so that's why I put the extensive time into this thing. Um, so I, they're, on the, they're on the rows. If you want to take notes and grab one, it's got some diagrams and stuff that we're going to go through. Um, so I want to encourage you maybe to follow along, take notes, because this is really significant. Um, it's significant for me. It's been significant in my life, in our ministry, since I've been in ministry in the early 90s. And like I said, it's going to be, to me, it's bedrock for living life with Jesus. So, um, so I want us to read in Luke 6. I'd like you to stand with me. Um, the, in this text, we see the pattern of Jesus' life. We see the rhythm of His life. So would you read Luke 6, 12 to 19 with me? One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, He called His disciples to Him and chose twelve of them, whom He also designated apostles, Simon, whom He named Peter, His brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his people was there, disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Yeah, I called the disciples his people. That's cool. His people. That's a new... Um, So what I want to share with you is the rhythm of Jesus' life. So I think it's super significant. And this was the rhythm. The one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So the rhythm of Jesus' life was this. He lived his life from solitude. From solitude. And the war- when morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles, which in the Greek just really means sent ones. He called, he designated sent ones, 12 sent ones, and all these guys. By the way, in verse 16, Judas, son of James, is called Thaddeus in Matthew and Mark. So if you're like, one of those doesn't seem to fit right or something, but he called the 12. So he went from solitude, then Jesus went to community. That was the next part of the rhythm of his life. And then finally in verse 17, when he went down with the crowd and he stood on a level place. Um, after gathering those 12 disciples, his apprentices, and forming that community, the people who had lived with him, he went down to the crowd, and we're told that when he was there, um, he healed them. It says, let me see, that, um, where does it say that he preached? Um, from all over the region. I thought it said, maybe it was back there. Um, oh, came to hear, that's what it was. So they came to hear him and to be healed the two components of his ministry that he was doing. And so he went from solitude to community and to ministry. This was the rhythm of Jesus' life, from solitude 
to community, to ministry. Can you help me with that? I want to make sure that sticks. So Jesus lived his life from and then into and then finally to ministry. That was the rhythm of his life. Um, he traveled all over that region with his followers, setting captives free um, from all of the many maladies. So he's up here at this point. He's up here ministering in this area. But there were people from Tyre and Sidon, we're told, from Judea and Jerusalem. So people are flocking. We know people are coming from Decapolis. People are flocking all over the place um, because he's there. And that's his pattern. That was Jesus' lifestyle. That was the rhythm of his life. From solitude to community to ministry. It was the way he consistently operated his life on a regular basis. Again, from what? Solitude to, to, to ministry. And we see in this rhythm, I think his life, his three key life elements, the three core dimensions of his life. First was the solitude. He did nothing apart from his father. His father was first. Second was community. He called that group of 12 to be together with him as friends and to be the kingdom community that he was building. Look what Mark adds. I like what Mark adds. He appointed them that they might, there's two mites. What's the first one? That he might, what? Be with him, building the community. What's the second might? That he might send them out. But he was gathering them that they would be with him. So he spends time with the Father. He spends time in the community. And then finally, uh, in ministry. I'll come to that in a second. Out of his time with his follower, out of his time with community with the other followers, he then moved out into the crowd on mission, doing the work of the kingdom. And again, he not only went into ministry, but he sent those who were with him into ministry. They were more than simply his soul friends. He invited him to be working with him on his mission. And we just saw that in, in Mark. But Matthew, if you read Matthew, it's so fascinating to me. That text we read in Luke is between Matthew 1 and Matthew 5, 5 to 8. And he just adds, I think, some interesting things. Um, one, he gave them authority, is something I see. It seems like the word sent happens here several times, right? Um, here's send. You guys can help me find all the sins in here. There's at least one. I think there's two more. Um, what verse? In verse 5. Yep, he sent. Was there another one, or was it just two? Maybe it's just two sins. How many goes do you see? There's a go here in verse 6, a go here, um, and then actually down here in Matthew. The reason I add Matthew 28 is because it talks here, he gave them instructions in verse 5, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any of the towns of the Samaritans, rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. And that was just a temporary thing because in Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. So this whole idea of, of giving them authority, of sending, of them going do you remember last week we talked about the two key things I think we need to reach, nuns and duns? The two basic principles, I don't know if you remember, but presence and blessing, right? Presence and blessing. This go is presence. The sending is I want you to go where they are to be present with them. 
and the blessing we see in that they are told their mission is two things. Up here we're told, um, well, in Matthew, what's their mission? It's to do two things. To what? To proclaim and then two, to have authority to drive out demons. So, to be healing. We see the same thing in Matthew um, in verse 7. As you go, what's the first one? Proclaim and verse 8. You know, heal, raise the dead, cleanse all. And then, again, this whole thing about blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Freely you've received, freely you give. So, he lives from solitude to community to ministry. And it's not just his ministry, but he sends all of us on that ministry to go out together doing what he does. So, he had this, to me, his life was three-dimensional. Three-dimensional, not one-dimensional, not two, but three-dimensional. He had a three-dimensional pattern of living. We could say he lived a three-dimensional life. It was the connected life. I like this language. His life was the connected life. He was connected to God. He was connected to community. And he was connected to the world and mission. So Jesus lived the connected life. He lived his life out of these three overarching relationships. He had three great loves, the Father, the Spirit, the community, and the world. And he regularly attended to all three, allowing unbelievably deep relationships to, and connections to happen in all three areas. In all three of these dimensions, I think, this three-dimensional living, they're equally valuable, equally important. None of them is isolated. They really need to be interacting with each other. Um, on an ongoing basis. I'm going to show you that later. But they, they aren't even meant to be necessarily just separate things. They're meant to be things that are like working together, interacting. But I want to remind you, just simply having those three things in balance is not enough because the rhythm is from what? Solitude. What's first in the rhythm? The relationship with the Father. So it's a rhythm. All three are important, but the rhythm is from solitude to community to ministry. One more thing I want to say about Jesus and the way he models his life is Jesus is the truly human one. Son of God has several meanings in the Bible, but one of them is, do you remember son of means what? It's a Jewish idiom that means the embodiment of. So if son of God means the embodiment of God, then son of man means the embodiment of what it means to be truly human. And he is the truly human one, and the rhythm that he lived his life shows what it's like to be truly human. He modeled for us what it means to be truly human. So now I want to shift focus to us. Um, and I briefly just want to step aside for just a minute, if you don't mind. Because for me personally, I've, it's always been helpful for me. I've latched onto a few key biblical concepts that for me have been targets of like the kind of life I think God wants me to live, the things He wants me to attain for. Things like making God famous, living for His glory, but making Him famous is a target that I live with frequently in my mind. The great command to love God and love others is a target in my mind a lot. The great commission to be on mission with Him. Being formed in the image of His Son, which He's wanting to do in my life, that's a target in my mind a lot. Am I being formed into His image? Another target for me has been first King, comes from 1 Kings 11. And it's a fully devoted heart. We're told there as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not, it was not what? It was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his father, had been. 
And we're told of Jeroboam in 1 Kings 15.3, that he committed all the sins his father had done before him, and his heart was not what? It was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his forefather had been. So this has always been a thing that I have, that's, that I, I long for and I strive for, not perfectly. David did not perfectly attain this, did he? But to me, this is like one of the targets I live for. It's a thing that in our parenting, one of the things in our mind we were trying to move our children towards was a fully devoted heart. Um, but here's what I know about a fully devoted heart. It doesn't happen by accident. It must be cultivated with intentionality. If you want a fully devoted heart, you have to cultivate it with intentionality. And that's where, to me, Jesus' rhythm comes in. That's where his rhythm comes in. If I want a fully devoted heart, I must model my life after Jesus. His rhythm must become my rhythm. That's why in Matthew 10, Jesus said, the student's not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. And in John 12, Jesus said, whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant will also be. And that's what the 12 did. They walked with Jesus. They watched Jesus. They imitated him. And then they invited others to follow him. And they invited others to imitate him. And even we see Paul saying, imitate me as I follow him. As Dallas Willard has said, discipleship is learning from Jesus how to live like Jesus. And you know, you hear the thing all the time, like, what would Jesus do, right? The WWJD. Um, sometimes that's hard. I like to go a little bigger than that because I don't really know what Jesus would do in every little detail of my life sometimes. Sometimes you can figure it out. To me, the what would Jesus do is, is more macro, and it's this, this rhythm. Um, so, as we model our life after him, his lifestyle should be ours. We should follow his pattern. Uh, our rhythm should be, his rhythm should become ours, and to me it's the disciples' rhythm. And there's three words that I use this a lot when I'm talking about the rhythm. This is on the second page of that sheet, that when I teach this to people to try to make it more memorable with students for years, but to me, the rhythm of Jesus' life and the rhythm of my life is from Christ to community to cause, from Christ to community to cause. That's the rhythm that I think Jesus modeled for us. It is the, the with Him life, the in-community life, and the on-mission life. Um, I don't remember when, a few weeks ago, in John 1, when it, when it, John 1, 1, when it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word with in the Greek, pros, means to, be, to have face-to-face -face intimacy. And so to me, this Christ part, it's the with Him life. I love this Latin word, coram Deo. I remember us in the humans visited a church in Nebraska called Coram Deo. It means to, to live before the face of God always, to always live before the face of God. So it's the with Him life, the in-community life, and it's the on-mission life that I'm constantly living. I'm also living for the Missio Dei, the thing that God is on mission with. Uh, Lisa created this beautiful, uh, took my three ugly circles, and look what she did with those things. Um, Again, from Christ to community to cause. Another way I talk about it with people is up, in, and out. That this is what the fully devoted life is. It is living up, it's living in community, and it's living out. Up, in, and out. Uh, my life would not be full and meaningful without these little dudes, so I had to throw them in. Right? Up, in, and out. Now I'm happy. My day 
dissatisfied, doesn't matter who wins the game. I got to see my little screen bean guys. <laughs> to live the fully devoted life, we need all three of those components. Christ caused community up in and out. We need a passionate spirituality. We need to live in authentic community with people who follow him. And we need to live with missional zeal. Just like Jesus, we live the connected life. And this is actually on the bulletin on the back. Uh, oops, we're going to get there in a minute. Sorry, we'll get there in a minute. Connected to God, connected to other believers, connected to the world and mission. We're all, we are to live the connected life just as Jesus did. To be truly healthy is to be in relational balance in all three of these dimensions. Like Jesus, we're called to all three dimensions. Like Jesus, we are to be three-dimensional in the way we live. All three are equally valuable, equally important. And this is His perfect plan for us. All three dimensions fully functioning, fully at play in our lives. Called to be healthy in all three, with all three of them interacting together um, in the sweet spot right here. That if I'm interacting on all three, I live in this sweet spot, which is, I think, where He wants us to be. But we don't want to forget the rhythm, right? We don't want to forget the rhythm of this. And the rhythm is from what? From solitude. So the rhythm is this, from solitude to community, from community to, to ministry, from Christ to community to cause. Up, in, and out. That's the rhythm. From solitude to community and ministry. And here's what I have found in my own life. That if I want to have a fully devoted life, it flows out of this rhythm. That if I'm living in this rhythm, the devotion of my heart increases. But I've also learned that as the devotion of my life increases, guess what being devoted to God calls me to? It calls me to more time with Him. It calls me to deeper involvement in community, and it calls me on mission with Him. So these three things not only lead to the devoted life, but they also, uh, the devoted life flows out of these three things, but they also lead into it. Quick comment in light of last week. And by the way, if you weren't here last week, we talked about the green space and what God is doing. And this wave, this thing, we feel like God is doing this thing in our midst that we did not initiate. And if you weren't here, I encourage you to get online and listen to that because that is going to be a big deal of how we live on mission with God, that space that the walkers have so generously allowed us to use. If you didn't get one of these last week, we really invite you to be in prayer for that space. So to, there's some back there. I've got some up here. Um, so grab one of those. If you didn't get one, if you weren't here, then come up and get one of those. But here's why I'm bringing up the whole wave thing. Because um, I talked about if the, those of us that God's been doing this, it feels like we're riding this God-generated wave. Um, and I said last week, I long to be a part of a kingdom movement. And if God's sending a wave in our midst, I want to be on that. Um, but I want to say something really important that I think I need to say as a caveat. That most of the Christian life is not riding God waves. That's the, the majority of the Christian life. There's two Greek words in the Bible for time. There's the word kairos, which means a God wave almost. It's a God opportunity. God like brings something that only He can generate, 
and you either get on it or you don't. Uh, by the way, this is why I don't surf. I just want to let you know that. Jordan and I were out surfing in Hawaii a couple of years ago, and that's Jordan, and that was me. But there's another Greek word, chronos, where we get our word chronology, and it means time, time, like minute ticking time. And that just means ordinary, everyday lifetime. And I just want you to know that most of the Christian life is lived in chronos, not in kairos. When God sends a wave, that's great, but most of our life is in chronos. I was uh, at a conference and heard Danielle Strickland, Strickland, I don't know how many of you know her. She was in New Zealand at a conference speaking, and she went to learn to surf, so she went to take lessons. Her first day didn't even get on the water. Second day was learning how to paddle the boat, didn't even get out to the way waves were. And then spent the next few days, like six hours a day, paddling out to get a wave and never caught a wave would miss it or something like that. And she came in like her fourth day and she told her instructor, like, this is not fun. I don't like surfing. And he said, most people think surfing's riding a wave. He said 90% of surfing is paddling out and waiting on a wave and half the time you, miss the wrong, you don't get the right wave. And he said, it's only 10 seconds of thrill, but it's hours of work. And so I tell you that because I just want you to know as... Uh, Billy Graham, I mean, that the daily grind, that, the, that where we live our Christian life is really this daily grind. As Billy Graham says, mountaintops are for views and inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valleys in Kronos time. And I tell you that because where we're going to spend most of our life isn't riding God waves. It's going to be daily living my life from what? Solitude into and into ministry. It's just going to be daily following this rhythm, daily following this rhythm, hoping and trusting that through that rhythm, he'll grow my devotion to him. And as my devotion grows to him, I will be drawn more deeply into solitude, into Christ, be drawn more up, and then I will live better in, in community, and then I will be sent more out on mission with him, living for his cause. That's where most of life is. So that's why to me this rhythm is so important. To me, this is, like I said, this is bedrock for how we as a community should live our life. To me, this is the DNA of the Christian life. It's the DNA of a follower of Jesus. And this is real, that's why this is so central to me. And this rhythm, it, to me, I believe it's got to get in our blood, not just in our intentions of what we hope to become or do, but it's got to get into our practice. And it's not just individually, but it has to be corporately. Um, this has to be the DNA of our life here, each of us individually. This has to become the DNA or be the DNA of our community. It has to be the DNA of our discipleship. I think this needs to be the DNA of our small groups. This needs to be the DNA of all of our ministries. It needs to be the DNA of our church. Whenever I was dealing with students, if somebody, even before they became a believer, but if they became a believer, this was the, one of the first things I always shared with them, is this was the rhythm of our life. And this was a thing I was always calling them back to. Some, they'd have a problem or something going on. Frequently, I'd pull this out first. How are you doing with your rhythm? Because a lot of times when we fail in this, we fail in other things. Not totally, but that, it was just, to me, it was so important. Um... And this all fits the way we were created. Um, I learned a long time ago in counseling, the three basic human needs are the need to believe, the need to belong, the need to become. The need to worship, 
somebody transcendent, which is why idolatry, because if we don't worship Him, we put other things above Him. The need to worship, the need to belong, to love and to be loved, to know and to be known, and the need to live our life for something bigger than our lives, to live on a mission, a cause that's bigger than us, that these are the three human needs that we all have, and it totally fits the rhythm of Jesus' life. And so here's what's on the back of the, the bulletin, that we affirm as a body that life begins with Christ, life is better together, and life is better on mission. Would you not agree with that? Life begins with Christ, life is better together, and life is better on a mission. Two errors we make, at least in my own life, with this, um, and I'm going to go through these quickly. The first is the reverse life. Do you know how stinking easy it is for me to get on mission doing things for God as my first priority? I wake up with God's mission on my mind, and I totally don't have time for this, right? And so I'm on mission, and I'm doing things, and I'm working hard, by myself as a lone ranger, and then I run into problems and things aren't working. And so when I run into problems, like where do I run first? I go to the community, the people I most love and trust, and I'm like, I've got a problem, I need your help, would you pray with me, can we fix this, can you give me solutions? And then when those solutions don't work, then finally go to what? I, it is so tempting for me to live life in the reverse. I find myself in that error all the time. You know, like, what's happening with the devotion of my heart? I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm living from ministry to community to solitude. I've gotten out of the rhythm of Jesus' life. The other error, I think, is the unbalanced life. Um, most people don't do this to where you only have one and are lacking two. This is really rare. If you live the Christ-only life, well, you're just going to be a hermit living in the desert. If you live the community-only life, it's just gonna, this is just going to be a social club, and there are churches that that's all they are is a social club. And, or you'll be cause only, you'll just become a one-person social agency. In the next three weeks, when I talk about each of these individually, I'm going to talk about what life is like without one, and you're, you're heavy on two, but without one. But the unbalanced life, most of us don't live with only one. I think we t what we tend to do is two of them are strong, and we, we have one that's really weak. And when that happens, it's like a, a tire. Have you ever driven on an unbalanced tire? You know, you can't see it by looking at it, but when you get on the highway and you hit 55 or 60, suddenly you feel how your tires are imbalanced, the wobble, the strong wobble, the vibrating that goes on. That's what happens in our life, I think, when we're living out of balance. So, again, um, we need all three of them interacting, all three of them. We want to be living in the sweet spot of the interaction of all three of those things. Okay, as we kind of wrap up, I want to share a principle that I share with students. It's called the barrel and stave principle. Um, because sometimes, sometimes, let's say I'm doing really strong in two of them. Maybe these two I'm doing really great in, you know, thumbs up. And I'm kind of weak in one. Sometimes we kind of feel like, oh, that's okay. But I want to share with you the barrel and stave principle. Let's imagine that the water is my level of devotion to God. And that the staves, now there's a lot of them here, but imagine there were three giant staves around there. One that's Christ, one that's cause, one that's community. Where is the water level going to be? If you've got three staves at three different levels, at what level will the water be? At the level of the highest stave, the middle stave, or the lowest stave? It's going to be at the level of the lowest stave, right? Right? 
And so the, the, the barrel and stave principle is you will only be as strong as your weakest stave. That you, your devotion to God will be limited to the, to the weakest stave. That if, you, if you're like a hermit and spending lots of time with Him, but you're not in community and you're not on mission, you actually will be living a limited life. Um, so just wanted to share that principle. And we can use this, I think, to evaluate everything in our life. We can use it to evaluate our own lives, this rhythm. We can evaluate our small groups. We can evaluate our family. We can evaluate our ministries at 12th. We can evaluate the whole church by this. And so my question is, are you living in the Jesus rhythm? That's the question. Are you living in the Jesus rhythm? Are you living the connected life? Spending quality time with God. Quality time authentic community, are you being intentional and spending quality time with the lost, being present and blessing them so they can come to know their Creator? You know, how is each dimension in your life? Are all of them evident and in balance? Where are you strong and where are you weak? Um, I was going to do, I don't know, should we do this, Jonathan? What do you think? Maybe? Let's give it a try. You know, I did a poll a couple weeks ago, and that actually bet went better than I thought. I want to take a minute. On, if you've got that sheet, grab one next to you, but next, on the bottom, on the second page, is a box that has a, a website. And if you'll just take a minute and get on that, just take a minute and get on that, and there's, it, you will have a chance to evaluate yourself in these three areas. And we can, while you're doing that, we can watch online, and I'd really curious, as a church as a whole, what's our weakest stave, and what's our middle one, and what's our strongest. So just take a minute. If you've got a smartphone, get on that thing, HTTP. There, Jonathan is an amazing dude. Let me start the poll. Oh, I've got to get my phone. Hold on, hold on. Jonathan, thanks for doing that. Okay, here we go. Start. Oh, do I have to vote in front of everybody? No, that's him. That's not me. Jonathan, just click seven on all of them. Oh, he's going to do it in secret. Good job. Yeah, because after you guys vote, then we'll be able to see what everybody's putting up there. Stay tuned for the next question. So it's not going to show us the results probably. No, this is the first time I've done one with three. And you guys answered all three. I'm sure you did. It just shows the first one. doesn't even show the second one. Okay, hold on. Let me see if there's anything I have to do. Oh, here. Does that, does that bring up the second one? Okay, did that bring the second one up? No. Okay. 
Are you guys, it, are you, this is risky. Are you willing to do this with a hand? Yeah, Nick's like back there like, if you ever do a pull again. <laughs> I love Nick. Um, I don't know, just if you're, if, you, if you're brave. How many of you would say your strongest is God, is this one, the solitude? How many of you would say that is the one that's most strong? Raise them high if you don't mind. Okay. How many of you would say community, being in community with other believers is your strongest one? Raise those up. How many of you would say living on mission with God is your strength, being on mission with Him? Okay. My guess is uh, the community, I thought kind of looked like the big one, but I, I really encourage you to take a minute even on that sheet and to draw your own life. You know, what are you? Are you, uh, are you like like this, or are you like a huge one here and little, and this thing's like non-existent, just to even to ask that question. All right. So obviously, what needs your attention, and what step will you take in that weakest stave? And I want to finish with this idea of fractals. I did this just for Brian. Um, I love the idea of fractals. All of nature is full of them. And how that this, there's this repeating pattern on a very micro, like a small level, and it, re it, it repeats, leaves, all of this. So much of nature has this thing where this thing is in a repeating pattern, even as it gets bigger. Um, and I want to, that's all to say that I really believe that his plan, God's plan for his church is that this would become a fractal kind of thing, that this would be lived out on our individual levels, and that this thing in every size of things that we do, that that same triangular thing is formed is in everything that we do. That in my life, that I'm living up in and out, I'm living in this rhythm, that in my small group or my triad or my quad that meets on Tuesday, that we're living up in and out, that in the ministry I'm involved in, that we as a ministry would be doing up in and out and that our whole church would be living up in and out. Wouldn't it be cool? if every individual was living at that, on that level? And then, can you imagine if that were true, what our small groups would really be like? And can you imagine what our ministries would be like if we're really all focused on the core DNA? Um, and that, by the way, for me, is the metric of things at 12th. It's the metric in my own life. It's the metric of everything. How are we doing? It's are we living into the rhythm of Jesus? That, to me, is the metric. So, on Sunday mornings, we gather in this rhythm, actually. We gather as a community to worship God and to be formed by Him so that we can be sent by Him. That's what worship is. We gather as a community to worship Him, to be formed by Him, so that we can be sent out by Him. Um, on... The back information, if you're a reader, Henry Nowen wrote an article called From Solitude to Community to Ministry that I read in like 91 or 92 that is what put me on the course to realize how significant this was. This changed the trajectory of my ministry. If you're a reader, grab it on the way out. It's worth reading. He says some really, he goes into more depth on all these things. He says some very powerful things, especially all of them, but his talk on community, the part on that is really powerful. One other thing is Lisa made these for us because to me, this is something that's so core to us. I'd love for you, everybody to have one. They're on chairs. If they all get taken and you need one, I've got some up there here. There's some back there. But put it in your Bible. 
Keep it in a book. Use it as a bookmark. Put it somewhere to remind you that this is to be our rhythm at 12th Avenue. This is the disciples' rhythm. It was the rhythm of his life, and it's to be our rhythm. It has the Luke text on the back and all of that. So, would you stand and pray with me? And this prayer is on your bulletin, and we intentionally put it there so that your bulletin isn't just a throwaway, but even it has the diagram on it, and even through the week, that this could be a daily prayer of full devotion, longing for full devotion. So would you join me? O Lord, our God, grant us grace to desire you with our whole heart, that so desiring we may seek and find you, and so finding you may love you, and loving you may hate those sins from which you have redeemed us. And God's people said to that prayer, Amen. Amen. You are sent.